This is Attack of the 20th Century. Thank you for joining us as we explore science fiction, fantasy, and horror films of the 20th century. I am your host, Jeff. And I am your other host, Kim. And this is your official warning. We talk about movies here. That means there will be spoilers. You've been warned. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Attack of the 20th Century. That's 20TH. There we post our next movie selections. You can comment, give your thoughts, and they just might make it on the air. This is episode one, where we review Horror of Dracula by Hammer Productions, directed by Terrence Fisher, and it was released on May 8th, 1958. But before we get started, know that we recorded this on December 30th, 2020, and this is our very first official podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so yeah, this is the very end of 2020. This has been a unique year, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. What are your What's your overall thoughts and impressions of 2020? Oh, that's a big old hairy mess to dig into. <laughs> um, actually, some things about 2020 have been awesome for our family in particular. Um, thankfully, no one's had COVID in our house, so that's... Awesome. Yes. No one in the immediate family or the extended family actually mm-hmm. have had COVID. Praise God. We did see Wonder Woman, though, a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the end of 2020, right, has been nice. Yeah. Uh, we've been home a lot. It's been nice and quiet and slow. And mm-hmm. so we were able to go see Wonder Woman earlier this week. Yeah, we went in with a few friends and rented uh, one theater. The whole and, theater to ourselves. Yeah. That's awesome. So I that think was our first movie since um, the Sonic movie, which was like really early 2020 that oh we'd actually gosh. been in the theater. Yeah. I don't even remember. You went with the kids to see that, I think. Oh, you didn't go? Nope. I don't remember. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I had something else going on that day. But yeah, so it was really cool. Rent the whole theater. I think that's the way to go. Maybe that's movie going of the future. Of course, that's probably not super accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice for us. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 84. I know um, this isn't a review. We'll keep this spoiler free. But just overall, right. what were your thoughts on uh, on Wonder Woman? Spoiler free Wonder Woman. I liked it. It was good entertainment. Um If we were doing a deep dive on Wonder Woman, I may have a few bones to pick here and there. But overall, it was an enjoyable movie. I had a good yeah. time watching it. So maybe, yeah, give me a, few, a minor little things that I just, you know, I can be nitpicky. So <laughs> whatever. I, but it was enjoyable. It was good entertainment. So. Yeah. I think the first Wonder Woman was probably their DC's best family film of recent years. Yeah, for sure. I think it was just so good. And Wonder Woman is such a good character. Mm-hmm. I really like the movie. You know, if you're into action, like if you want action like every two minutes, this probably isn't the movie for you. I think it focused yeah. a lot on relationships. And I think the um, the relationship between Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. Oh, yeah. That, you know, it's not a, this isn't a spoiler because it was in the previews. But True. He, he comes back somehow. We won't tell you how. No. But I really I really buy into the relationship. I love that um, as a human man, I think it's cool that Steve Trevor still contributes. Right. Like in the action, he does what he can for being immortal. Right, right. And they don't take jabs like, ha, 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 you're not a superhero. No, like they don't of- make him look like stupid or weak just yeah. because he's not of a super race like she is. Right. So that's cool. 
Yeah. But all the relationship segments I really liked. I think, you know, the third act. Yeah, now that you mention relationship, I mean, the whole movie from beginning to end is packed with relationship, not just her and him, but other relationship issues through the whole movie, which that's really, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think all of that was done really well. It was. They handled it well, for sure. I'll put on my mom pants for a second. Um, I guess I always have on mom pants because Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, but whatever. Um, My mom hat. Maybe that's more appropriate. Uh, I think it was perfectly uh, clean and cool to watch with the whole family. You know, our kids are from 15 down to nine. Mm -hmm. We watched it with all of them. Nothing seriously questionable in there. So that was was nice. Good, clean fun for the whole family. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, the the third act, I felt like things kind of fell apart a little bit, if you really analyze it. But again, we won't go into spoilers and, you know... Uh, it's good fun. I think it was yeah. uh, not as good as the first one, but still a good movie. Yeah, sequels have a hard time living up to the hype of the first movie. For sure. So this last week, what else have we been watching? Uh, we've been home a lot. Um, a little convalescing happening in our house. Nothing serious. So we've watched um, a few episodes of Psych. Psych. I love uh, Psych. Where are we watching Psych? On Amazon? Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, Amazon Prime. Psych is so good. Yeah. That. There's- Speaking of relationships, they're <laughs> Sean and Gus. Doesn't everybody want to have a relationship like Sean and Gus I have? I think that's quintessential bromance, right? Yeah, If you look at bromance is. in the dictionary, <laughs> Sean and Gus are the bromance. <laughs> they're awesome. Oh. I, I think my description of Psych to anybody who's never seen it before is always like, this is grown-up Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Like, it's fun. <laughs> you know it's always going to work out in the end. But the humor is just great, especially I think for our age group, like they hit all the things, you know, growing up as an 80s kid, you know, and then a 90s kid too. like they hit it all. They're hilarious. You know, it's funny because uh, Kim is such a aficionado of uh, like murder mysteries (laughs) and detective stories. And I'm like a big chicken when it comes to that stuff. Like, (laughs) but psych, I can do all day long. (laughs) It's a it's soft, <laughs> soft crime or something. It's weird because, you know, they'll be uh, hanging out with the, what do they call it? It's not a mortician, but he's a guy that like examines dead bodies and yeah, goes through the evidence. The forensics guy. Yeah. I just know him as the guy that was in Wayne's World. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I love you, man. Now let's talk about our movie, Horror of Dracula, released May 8th, 1958. Awesome. So if you look up Horror of Dracula on Rotten Tomatoes, interestingly, it has a 90% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's cool. I also looked up on Britannica.com. They have a nice little synopsis that's going to kind of give us the backbone of the movie. Britannica.com tells us, in this version of the Dracula tale, Based on the novel by Bram Stoker, Englishman Jonathan Harker poses as a librarian and takes employment with the elegant and seductive, yet lethal, Count Dracula, ostensibly to record his vast book collection, but in reality to kill the vampire. However, Harker falls victim to the Count. Harker's fellow vampire hunter, Dr. Van Helsing, comes searching for him, but finds the castle deserted. Upon further inspection, he discovers Harker lying in a coffin, transformed into a vampire, and kills him. Van Helsing delivers the news to Arthur Holmwood, brother to Harker's fiancée, Lucy, who has taken ill. 
It is later discovered that Lucy has also been bitten by Dracula. After the Count absconds with Arthur's wife, Arthur and Van Helsing give chase, leading to a final showdown. Awesome. So this was the second major film that Hammer produced uh, with the Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing duo uh, mm-hmm. right after the uh, Frankenstein movie they did. Uh, so this movie, Dracula series, Hammer made eight sequels to. Oh my word. So here's a little trivia for Kimberly. I'm going to put her on the spot. Oh boy. How many movies in total did Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing you know, interact with in, in movies. How many of those do you think there are? Those two together? Those two together. Not just the Dracula franchise. Correct. So Hammer made eight oh. sequels. How many do you think those two guys made together? They appeared in the same film. Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Uh, 15. That's a good guess. 24. Wow. Okay. So they are synonymous. Their careers run parallel and... What's cool, there's a documentary about Hammer on uh, 2B TV. Okay. And uh, those guys were like the best of friends, too. Really? Yeah, they they were very close. Their careers, obviously, they intertwined. um, Well, that's cool. I'm trying to think of another Hollywood duo, or I guess, is that considered Hollywood since they're British? I don't don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Are there other two actors that have been friends like this throughout the ages? Uh, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, there goes a very loud motorcycle down the road. Thank you, motorcycle. Nice. So let's let's talk about, uh, let's start with our leading actor. He got top billing, but Peter Cushing, mm-hmm. who played Dr. Van Helsing. Uh, so what did you think of uh, Peter Cushing's performance in the Dr. Helsing character? Oh, I thought he was great. Um, he didn't have a ton of lines. Actually, mm-hmm. there's not a huge amount of dialogue in the whole movie. Right. Um, but I kind of like that, especially for this older horror genre. Um, it kind of lets the story tell itself, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. There's not a lot of weird or awkward dialogue or anything like that. Uh, but I really, I did really like his portrayal of Van Helsing. Um, very serious, obviously, kind of brooding, kind of a. I think even while we were watching it, did you say Van Helsing would be a five on the Enneagram? Yes, I did. Because he's like, just the facts, <laughs> ma'am. Like, that's... Right. He's there to tell you what the facts are and inform you on things and move on. Yeah. He's all about information. Yeah. And uh, not a whole lot of emotion. Yeah. Not a lot of emotion there, for sure. But yeah, Peter Cushing's portrayal, I love how committed he is to this role. Like... Yeah, very much is. You know, there's no tongue-in-cheek stuff. And I think this whole cast in general, there's no tongue-in-cheek stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all, uh, they're all very committed to their roles. What the story that they're acting out is they're 100% into. Yeah. And Peter sure. Cushing, um, I took a few notes here. I felt like he was such a strong man. I don't know how big this guy is, but he seemed like 10 feet tall the way he He did act. seem very tall the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed like a powerful leader. And s- and somebody that I'd like to know and follow. Like if, <laughs> if this guy were in my hometown and he was fighting vampires and the way he conducted himself, I thought to myself, like, this is a guy that I could hang out with and sure. I would join him in his quest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, but he wasn't just one dimensional either. There was a scene where he attacked the vampire and after the encounter, there's a little girl mm-hmm. and he wraps her up. He like he goes over to her very quickly, 
wraps her up in a coat. And I thought his interaction was so tender and delicate. It really was for all of his other, to be such a stoic um, leader, you know, dealing with this, you know, ultimate bad guy, Dracula. It was Mm -hmm. a very tender moment. In this case, I felt like he showed off some acting chops in that, you know, in that sequence. For sure. Um, So, yeah. So, obviously, we were big fans of Peter Cushing. What about Christopher Lee as Count Dracula? I would say he had even less lines to say throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's really great for a mysterious, brooding, bad guy. Um, Mm -hmm. Your acting really has to stand out, though, if you don't have a lot of lines. Like, you've got to be who you are. Right. And uh, he did a great job of that. Like, he's... um, Keep in mind, the world's perspective of Dracula before this was uh, Bela Lugosi's universal portrayal of uh, Dracula. And uh, I was going to ask you, what did you think of his posh British accent compared to the Bela Lugosi Hungarian? (laughs) I was going to see if you were going (laughs) to... Give that accent an attempt. No, I won't uh, right not now. Either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what'd you think of his posh British take on it? Uh, I I actually preferred it. It's less um, comedic sounding mm-hmm. to me, um, mm-hmm. and so it. I think Bela Lugosi's Hungarian accent kind of became that you know Count Chocula voice in all of our minds <laughs> later in life, or or yeah. even the Count from Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, uh, 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 right? Yeah. So this was more, had uh, more of a serious tone to it. I would say I the like. only, one of the only letdowns I had of this movie, you know, he starts off, you know, uh, welcoming uh, Jonathan Harker at his house. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted more of that sophisticated, eloquent Dracula. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't get to see Dracula in his like, like pretending to be human lifestyle much at all. No, just that it was just a little bit scene. and then boom, you know, he had blood on his face and he was ready to suck some blood and yeah, it was almost too fast. I wish there was like a director's edition where there was more <laughs> of that interaction where he was, you know, more of that cerebral. We get a little MTV cribs of Dracula. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dracula at home. But yeah, one thing, uh, and this just comes from internet research, but <laughs> it talked about like one thing that Christopher Lee infused was kind of a sexy kind of Dracula. You know, the Bela right. Lugosi wasn't really sexy. And, and you'll notice that with the um, the female victims. Oh, yeah. They didn't seem to mind too much to be bit by Christopher well, Lee. He was very mesmerizing, I mm-hmm. think, right? Like he kind of messed with their mind, kind of drew them in. Yeah. Um, and the way the women acted kind of like, high school girls kind of waiting on a phone call from their yeah. prospective boyfriends, you know? I think you've just dated us, but yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that high school girls do that now. But, yeah, who knows? But yes, uh, no, I agree with that completely. They seem very almost taken with him. Yeah, they did. So let's back up for just a second. This isn't the first time you've seen this film. I don't think so, no. I, I think I'm, our family, a few years ago, maybe maybe it was like five years ago, we went through each of the Dracula, t- Dracula movies. So we mm-hmm. did the Bela Lugosi. Well, first we did the Nosferatu version. Right. The Bela Lugosi version. We did this version. Then we did the, uh, the Bram Stoker's Dracula the movie that came out in 92, I want to say, with Gary Oldham and oh, Winona right. Ryder. Did I watch that one with you? Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. <laughs> Here's something our listeners will find interesting. I have a real knack for forgetting what I've watched. 
That's true. So I can watch the same movie over and over and over again. And it's like brand new. Like I'm like Dory. Dory. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that was about five years ago. And then we, um, I think at that time we bought this film. That's like a DVD. It's like a four pack of Dracula sure. movies. Um, but, you know, I think this is probably the second time we've watched it together was last night. That I can remember, yes, which isn't saying much, but yes. So other actors in this film, our leading actress, well, there's a couple of them. There mm-hmm. was uh, Melissa Stribling, who played uh, Mina Homewood, right? Uh, which was um, Arthur's wife, mm-hmm. I have. Arthur was played by Michael, I don't know how to say this name, Gal Goff. Gal Go Goff. Yeah. Take your pick. We'll get back to Melissa here in a second. But Michael, you know, his face looks so familiar. I had to look him up. He actually played Alfred in the Tim Burton, Joe, Joel Schumacher versions of the Batman movies. Ah, okay, yes. And his voice was so familiar. And I was like, I know that voice. And it's not just as Alfred, but he also was in The Corpse Bride. Ugh. He was the one that helped get him back to like where the humans live. Yeah, the mad scientist little guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you'd call him in the realm of the dead. He has a great voice. Yeah, he does have a great voice. Yeah. He, he probably a, had the most speaking parts in this whole movie. He did. Actually. He talked a lot. He seemed really annoyed at they Peter Cushing well. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then he was a believer once he saw his sister like try to kill them. Yes. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm all in with you, Peter Cushing. I get it. There is a Dracula. So back to, to Melissa Stribling, who played Mina. What did you think of her performance as Mina or Mina the character? Mina, the character. So this is Arthur's wife, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah I thought she did a, a great job. Um, I have no complaints with her acting. She did a really good job. She. It was interesting, if I can compare her, we haven't talked about the sister Lucy yet, but Lucy obviously is younger, and she's the one who gets bitten by Dracula first. I don't know why they did this in the story. I, I would love to know some background information here. But Lucy, when she's bitten, but before we know she's bitten, she's basically bedridden, right? Like, she's right. sick during the day, and at night she's, like, sneaking out, being... Yeah called out into the woods by Dracula. Whereas when Mina gets bitten, she's not sick and in bed. She's kind of like hiding Euphoric. Yeah. Yeah. She looks kind of like she's under a spell, but she's like, I'm okay with this. Yeah. She was definitely happy. She was not bedridden (laughs) at all. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I don't, I don't know if there was a, it did make me wonder, right? So after that night, so she'd been with Count Dracula, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she comes back, she's obviously hiding something, because later on we find out that she they move Dracula's coffin to her house. Yeah, he's in the basement. He's in the basement. And husband and Van Helsing do not know that. So you wonder how much of it is a spell, how much of it is just like, she's just into this She's all in excitement. Now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, a forbidden excitement, maybe. Hmm. Interesting. Or is she just uh, like literally in a daze in his spell? They don't really go into that or explore that a whole lot. No. But I thought it was interesting. Like, she was lying to her husband and to Van Helsing. She doesn't obviously doesn't reveal where Dracula is. She covers her neck. Right. She covers... She's wearing, the, like, a big cloak with fur, a fur collar on it yeah. or something, so you and can't she tell. And she definitely doesn't seem very... Like, she's not showing any remorse or anything. No. So. No. She almost has kind of a dreamy look to her or yeah something. yeah 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 i thought she did i thought she did great as well especially in juxtaposition to earlier in the film she seemed she wasn't that little girl's mom 
but she seemed very motherly. Like, yeah, she definitely had more of a motherly persona. And then it was almost conservative. like a slightly femme fatale feel to her after yeah. she's been bitten by Dracula, which yeah. I guess that's, you know, if you're going to become a, a vampire, mm-hmm. that's kind of the turn you make. I yeah. don't know. That's how the movies always portray it. And let's talk about our other leading actress. Um, Carol Marsh. Was yeah, that, Carol Marsh. Yes, thank you. She, she played, played Lucy. Lucy Homewood. So she was the younger sister of Arthur. I just, I thought she did awesome. I mean, her facial expressions, I thought she did great as like kind of young, innocent. Right. Then when I think of like, she was anticipating Dracula coming, the, the yeah. looks that she made, the way she acted. Very the pensive, way, yeah. And then when she manipulated their, um, what what was that lady, the kind of the help? Oh, she was the housekeeper. The housekeeper. She manipulated her. I thought she did. <laughs> yeah, she did a good, do a good job with that. She did for a good sure. job. And then when she uh, pulled in the housekeeper's daughter, I don't. I don't remember her name. It's uh, a little girl. Somebody was named Inga, but I can't remember if that was the little girl or if that was mm-hmm. the housekeeper. But yeah, but I thought she did great. I mean, what did you think of her performance as Lucy? No, it was great when she when we finally know for a fact that she is under Dracula's spell and she has been bitten. She was so emotive and expressive with her face. Again, this was like lack of dialogue, but her acting did it all for her. Her mm-hmm. her acting was her dialogue. Yeah. Um, she did a, just a really good job of that. And then when they had to, was it when they killed her? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like just the expression on her face was so perfect because they finally realized like, okay, she has been bitten. There's no cure for this. She has to get a stake through the heart. She had kind of like what gone back to her coffin, gone back to repose, right. but then they have to stab her. And yeah. her face was just like, Perfection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it takes three hits. I've never stabbed somebody through the heart, but it well, seems yeah, it seems like know. it ought to take less than three hits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That was... And I will say, let me step in and talk about the gore factor here a little bit. Because, uh-huh. um, you know, people that know us that listen to this are going to be like, you're letting your kids watch this. Yeah. Um, this was perfectly safe for our, our age group of kids. Oh, sure. Um, like, obviously, if you're thinking about putting a stake through someone's heart, that's pretty gory. Right. Um. But the blood... But it's covered very nicely. Like I they think don't... the blood was kind of like so fake. It was like red paint. Oh, yeah. It was so bright red. It was ridiculous. And that, But you don't see a lot of it in the movie either. It's not over the top. They really handle mm-hmm. it very... Like, you know awful Reach. things are having to happen because we're killing Dracula and vampires here. But it's not in your face. It's not disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's very not, tastefully done. Yeah, tastefully done. Tastefully done. That's a good way to put it. So what did you think of the Arthur character, Michael Goff or Go? <laughs> Whatever his last name is. The guy that plays Alfred. Uh, he did a great job, too. I, um, Yeah, now that we know who he is, it yeah. makes sense why, I don't know, I kind of felt like he almost was, I wouldn't say a, more of a standout than Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, but he had more dialogue than them. And so you're kind of dealing with him more yeah. in the story. Whereas obviously Christopher Lee as Dracula is kind of in the shadows mm-hmm. a lot of the time. We see very little of him, which builds the suspense of the movie. Right. Um, and then of course, Van Helsing has, has this very professorial, but studious brooding kind of personality. So Arthur is the guy who gets the lines. Like right. that's who we hear from. Um, and he handled it well. I really sympathized with him in the beginning because this guy shows up and tells you that your your sister's husband is dead. Fiance, I think. Fiance, yeah, fiance, yeah. Right. It gives you no information, and then he gives you direction on your sister's illness, 
but he doesn't give any background. He doesn't say, <laughs> by the true. way, this is the such and such illness. This is COVID-19 and these are the <laughs> symptoms and this is how we're going to beat Here's it. Here's my medical degree. It's just like, yeah, hey, put up some onions or garlic, garlic rather. Yeah, garlic. garlic. Keep the windows locked. Do this or else she'll die. So I kind of sympathize with him like, yeah, I'd be kind of like skeptical. You've, you've brought us nothing but misfortune and heartbreak since you've been here. Please leave. Right. Uh, so I totally got that. And then one other actor will mention um, John Von Asen. I don't know how you say his name really, but he played Jonathan Harker in the beginning. Okay. What did you think of him? So we see him for very little of the movie because he's he's pretty much done in with at the very mm-hmm. beginning. I don't have much to say about him because I didn't see I much wonder, of him. I wonder what his game plan was. I, like, he yeah. seemed to know he seemed to know that Count Dracula was a vampire and he's going to kill him. The only criticism I had there is he started with the vampire's wife or mistress or whatever she was. Why didn't you just take out Dracula when you had a chance? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's given an opportunity where he goes, finds like Dracula's lair under the castle Mm -hmm. or in the basement where Dracula's in a coffin and this other vampire lady that Dracula clearly is holding hostage. Mm -hmm. And he chooses to kill the lady first. Yeah. She's already asking for help early in the movie. Like he sees her, I guess in the daytime or not in the sunlight. Maybe the castle windows are always blacked out. I don't know. But somehow he sees her when Dracula's not around and she begs for help. You know, she's like, he's got me trapped here. You don't know, you know. I'm guessing he picked her first because he wanted to release her soul, let her move on to heaven or wherever first. Maybe that's the case. But having hindsight being 2020 for us, we know that if he had killed Dracula first, she probably would have been okay. Yeah, that's true. That unraveled itself at the end of the movie, didn't it? Yeah. Now, she may have been like 80 years old or something. We don't really know what happened there. Well, that's true. She, <laughs> Yeah, because apparently if you get bit by a vampire and become a vampire, you stay youthful and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if you... You know, get killed, get boom, killed. you're old. You you're whatever your true age was. Yeah. All right, so some other things uh, I think that stand out big time are the film score. So James Bernard is the guy that did the film score. Mm-hmm. Man, he really went for it. Yeah, he did. I felt like the musical cues were just like cranked well, to 11. But it was funny because in the not in any tense moments when you're just going through the normal parts of the movie – you you don't even notice the music like the score mm-hmm. is almost non-existent and then mm. when dracula steps in or there's this tense moment it's like whammo the musical score hits you in the face yeah. right um and of course it being the end of the christmas season and we have a dancer in the house i've heard tons of tchaikovsky lately because <laughs> my our daughter dances in the nutcracker every year and so I just, I kept hearing notes of Tchaikovsky when he would, when, you know, that mm-hmm. intense music would start playing. I would somehow, Nutcracker would also yeah. start playing in my head. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so one thing, w- when you deal with a Terrence Fisher directed Hammer film, the filmography. So the brilliant use of color, those big, lavish, lush sets yeah. were amazing. Uh, a lot of money went into the production. When I think of classic horror that's like really enjoyable to watch. Right. This is what I envision. Yeah, they set the mood with um, the scene changes. But it wasn't a... I, I was really... There was a really nice juxtaposition of like 
when Arthur and his family are at home or when Van Helsing is in his office, like there's these soft, vibrant colors. Mm-hmm. Um, everything looks very classic. And then when you're moving into the scenes with Dracula or you know Dracula's got to be around somewhere, yeah, the, the lighting changes, the mood changes. And something that I picked up on, anytime we were going to see Dracula, obviously they're in Romania, Transylvania, wherever they are mm-hmm. in Central Europe. Um, it's got to be a cold season. Everybody's wearing jackets with fur. I think, did yeah. we see actual snow? In Maybe some, a little bit. I think there was actual snow in one or It'd two It'd be weird scenes. to see Dracula in Miami. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, and if you have... You know, vampire scars you're trying to hide. You, you need to be able to like. You don't want to take top, right? yeah, <laughs> bikini top. You gotta wear like turtlenecks and things, so that makes sense. Um, but there were always, anytime we were expecting Dracula or searching for Dracula, he used um, falling leaves. Yeah. In the setting, which I thought was really just it was something I just picked up on for whatever reason, and there were always like dead leaves dropping mm-hmm. from trees. Anytime, like. We know Dracula's in the woods and the girl is going to him, or we know Dracula's going to show up in this window in just a minute. There'd be this one mm-hmm. little leaf that kind of trickles out of the sky. I guess leaves don't trickle. What do right. they do? Float. Yeah. Floats down yeah. out of the sky. Flutter. I don't have Flutters no down out of the sky. Whatever leaves do. We live in Florida. We don't see a lot of falling leaves. All right? No, we don't. <laughs> they stay up all the I'm time. I'm not an expert. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, there would always be these like dead, very autumnal autumnal leaves floating out of the trees. And uh, I just thought it was a really nice touch. And it was like a, almost like a signifier, like Dracula's about to happen. He's Mm -hmm. in the area. Dead things are happening. Yeah. As far as storytelling, this is fairly close to the original source material. I know they cut out quite a bit, like uh, with Dracula, basically with a ship that transports his body back. Oh, right. You know, like they came down with a horrible sickness and most of them died. We see that in Nosferatu, right? Yeah. I think that's alluded to. We see to that in, in there. Um, we see that in other versions. You know, they cut that for in the interest of time. Uh, but the story was great. I mean, it's a timeless story. Right? It it's is from- a timeless story. I actually have never read the novel. I would like to so that I have a reference point. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of my philosophy in life if there's a book you should read the book first but mm-hmm. i haven't done that this time no um but you kind of grow up with the dracula story. yeah exactly i don't i don't know an american kid that doesn't have some concept of who dracula is even if it's just from watching uh what are the animated movies with is it adam sandler plays dracula oh yeah what is one of those oh uh, well, i can't think of oh hotel transylvania yeah right? yeah hotel Transylvania. yeah 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 those so are pretty good everybody knows who dracula is and basically what he's about so um, but I will say the storytelling in this was very, the plot was nice and clean. Yeah. There, we weren't chasing a lot of weird ends or, you know, like everything Mm-mm. followed just like it should. It was a very easy plot to follow without a ton of dialogue. So yeah. that was really nice. I thought it was very cleanly done. Right. So one thing I wondered, so if somebody came and killed my wife and out of vengeance, I'm going to go out and find their woman and bite them and make them my wife. Uh, you know, clearly the motive is vengeance early on. True. But over time, you know, is there any kind of, you know, romance or is, is you know, does Dracula feel anything towards Lucy? I'm kind of thinking no, because he moved on pretty quickly to Mina right after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I'm assuming again, I haven't read the novels, so I don't, I don't know the, the motive there. Yeah. Like, is there a physical need that this is literally 
right? That's kind of like the lure of, or the folklore of mm. um, Dracula is that he needs human blood to survive, right? Right. So right. I, they, they didn't build on that in the story. I but he wanted a companion too. He wants a companion. Yeah. Obviously he had this other woman trapped in his castle for however long. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's out of an emotional need. I think it's, you know, not like you and I need companionship. I think it was more of like, I need a companion and I don't know, she's a fresh supply. I guess she's not a, if she's already a vampire, he can't mm-hmm. keep getting blood from her, right? No, no. Because now she's like undead. I yeah, don't it's know. weird. It's like you're selecting a wife. It's like kind of any woman will do, but I'm going to take your woman because you killed my woman. Yeah, maybe that's it. I thought it was a little, so I guess it was 100% vengeance and maybe over time she'll grow on him. Obviously, the other lady wasn't too happy in the relationship. Yeah, she did not want to be there. (laughs) One other note I have on this movie are the entrances. So like when Count Dracula makes his entrance, every time is memorable. Oh, yeah, that's true. And every time he makes an entrance, there's like this huge hit with the music. Yeah, that's... Yeah, all the strings, all the horns, and there's always like this snare drum in the background, almost like a drum roll. Everything's cranked. Yeah. And there was one scene that made me laugh, right? So when uh, Peter Cushing, or I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, Jonathan Harker character, when he kills Dracula's woman, you see Dracula wake up. Yeah. Well, she well, did scream really loud. She screamed. So <laughs> for him to make his grand entrance, he actually leaves the room. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he does. I thought I it was really... hilarious. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't good enough. I can't just We know sit Dracula's up. in the coffin. <laughs> he runs the stake through the heart of the woman. She screams. We see Dracula's face. Yeah. And then I guess it pans back to the woman and Jonathan Harker, right? Right. And so uh, then we pan back to Dracula's coffin. It's empty. He's not there. So because. he actually like he leaves, yeah, and then boom, he's got to appear at the entrance, and we got to hear another big orchestral hit. Bam! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. That's hilarious. And uh, he wasn't the only one with grand entrances. So another big entrance that I thought was awesome. I think I made a noise when it happened. Right when, um, so Lucy is coming. She sees her brother Arthur. She's moving in on him. And out of nowhere, you see Peter Cushing's arm extend that cross oh, right yeah. in front of her face. Yeah, yeah. And she makes this horrified look like, I have seen the worst thing ever. And he steps towards her and you see it's Peter Cushing. And he puts the cross right on her forehead and sizzles yes. her like, head. Brands her forehead with a, a big silver cross. Yeah. So overall, so we'll move on to our final conclusions of this movie. What... um. We don't really have a numbering system or anything. I think we're just going to say yay or nay or like to watch it, to not watch yeah. it. What What is your final conclusion? Well, it's a definitely a yay for me. Um, it's it's a family watch. Uh, like, I, you know, obviously if you have kids that are not going to have nightmares about a Dracula, um, it's clean, it's classic, it's good storytelling, great acting. Two thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. Can I do that? Is that like copyrighted by Siskel and Eva? Can I give things two thumbs up? No, if you can. We're so small, nobody will know. Okay, they don't. They don't care who Kim is. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. For me, uh, horror of Dracula is definitely a yay. I love it. It's a good introduction into horror and gothic movies. This is kind of Hammer entering into their their heyday. You know, the glory years. Terrence Fisher directed, great look, great feel, great orchestral sounds, great acting. It's just really at its finest, so that's definitely a yay for me. (laughs) 
So this is our first podcast, and we are brand thinking new. So, you know, we've only really publicized on Instagram a little bit through our personal accounts. True. I thought it was cool that we already have 51 followers. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? Who'd have thunk? So I'm hoping all 51 listen to this podcast. I know two of them are our personal accounts. So. Oh. <laughs> I'm hoping the other 49 will actually listen to this podcast. Uh, and, you know, in moving forward, I want people to be able to comment and express their thoughts on the movies and stuff, and we'll read them. We really, um, the only thing I got this week, because we are brand new, is Ranger Cosplay. A guy named Russell that I uh, think is awesome. Great guy. We posted what our first two movies are going to be, right. Horror of Dracula and Big Trouble in Little China. And he said, Outstanding Picks. Coming out of the gate strong. Nice. All Love right. both of these. But how can you not? Hammer and Carpenter. And he does like the punch. Nice. So, uh, so Ranger Cosplay, uh, you know, you'll have to check his. Wait, is it the emoji like the fist bump the emoji? Fi- no, like, a, well, it looks more like a, a punch to I me. I think it's a fist bump. Maybe it is. But I think of him, he plays. I'll uh, take it. I'll take the fist Walker, bump. Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, right, right, right. So he does a lot of his pictures with the uh, fist extended, like Chuck Norris. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Again, look for us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Attack of the 20th Century, that's 20TH. Leave comments. Let us know what you think of the movies. We'll read them. Our next movie. What are we going to review next? The next movie we are going to review is Big Trouble in Little China, which um, is a favorite from childhood And even now, we watch it fairly regularly. (laughs) Uh, If you guys want to watch along or watch it before we talk about it, I know that it is rentable on Amazon Prime, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, and somewhere on the interwebs, someone said that you could watch it on Disney Plus. But we Mm -hmm. have not... I don't think it is there We have not seen it on Disney Plus. No, but you can rent it, I think, for $3.99. I definitely recommend it for for the whole family. I think it's a good... Fun watch if you're okay with fantasy and martial arts. Yes. Lots of uh, Chinese folklore. Yes. Um, but yeah, we'll watch that. We'll review that next week. Warning. there are There's a little bit of language in that one, right? Yeah. If you've got yeah. little ones, there's a little bit of language there. So be warned. Yeah. So we'll review that next week. And uh, wow, we got the first one in the can. Yay first, for us. Yay for us. Thank <laughs> no, you. No one passed out. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Peace out. Peace out.